It's neither about the French Revolution in the 1800s or about the best wrestling show on TV today. It's just a movie all about a guy called Napoleon Dynamite on this episode of that song from that movie. Don't blame me, I voted for... Pedro? Kang? Kodos? <laughs> it's one of the two. Thank you for joining that song from that movie, The Journey Through the Very Best and Worst of Movie Songs. I am your 1% milk drinking host, Dietrich. And as always, we're joined by a black belt in Rex Quando, Alex. <laughs> yeah, I, I, does that come with the United States flag pants that he wears? Well? I think you already have them. You You're just right. turn up on the day. They won't even let you in if you're not wearing them, so... Right. Well, yeah, like I said, it's a good job I've got some in my wardrobe. It's their version of a gi. <laughs> oh, they didn't wear gis in taekwondo. I don't know. Anyway, and we're also joined by... There isn't enough quotes in this movie for three intros. Ben. It, surely there is. This Not is... that funny. Oh, well, I guess that that comes into a different conversation later on. But this is often cited as one of the most quotable films going. I disagree, but it's just what people say. <laughs> <laughs> Are you quoting people there, then? Alex, you've known me for long enough. I only quote people. <laughs> Even that was a quote. An, orig- an original thing has never come out of this mouth. <laughs> I would like to know in the past fortnight, what have you been watching? Cha, cha, cha. <laughs> ra, ra, Rasputin. It sounds like it's going to go into that. La, it does a bit, yeah. The Russian queen. There was a cat that really was gone. Can we afford that? Uh, I didn't. I didn't sing it for long enough. <laughs> Turn that radio off. And it, and it probably wasn't like yeah, it wasn't similar enough to the actual song to warrant a copyright. I have been watching um, just Stranger Things. Yeah, how are you finding it? I actually think it's the best season since yep. the first season. Yep. I think even after one episode, I was like, this is already better than the last two seasons. It's definitely yeah. I think it's the best season personally. I mean, I I rewatched the first season in the past few days. Um, which is great, but I do think this later season is the best. You've got Good. the weight of, I guess, of the expectation as well. I'm assuming this is the final season. There's one more. There's one more season. Oh, have they said they're going to do one more? Yeah. Right? No, I hate it then already. <laughs> but yeah, it just feels like they've kind of gone back to what worked in season one. And there's a lot more, like, school stuff going on. I feel like that's that's always a good place yeah. to anchor it. High thought... school is such a serious thing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's kind of all I've been watching. <laughs> I saw Top Gun Maverick. All right. Uh, how was it? Sorry. Well, I mean, the <laughs> reviews have been, have, been, have been a lot more enthusiastic. Than yeah, that, I, the, the action is is amazing. Do you actually follow what's going on this time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. I think the narrative just just I don't care about romance. Just give me planes. I've got that tattooed on. I've had that tattooed on my bicep for years. <laughs> my wife went to see it actually randomly in baby cinema, and she said there was a part where it was essentially Tom Cruise Maverick had like a rule book, and he's like, "This is the rule book," <laughs> and then he literally <laughs> throws it in yeah. a bin. <laughs> it's like, oh. and they all, and they do the thing of like the. <gasps> Not the rule book. He just threw out the rules. Can't do that. <laughs> what a maverick. What no, a one's maverick. Ever, no one's ever done that. <laughs> this guy's a real maverick. But, uh, yeah, it's it's enjoyable. It's like a uh, sort of a Mission Impossible 2.5. A sequel to the best That's one. That's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> it might as well exist in the same world. Because all, Tom, Tom Cruise only makes films in which he is, he has to be this amazing saviour. Um, and even in The Mummy, where he attempted that with superpowers. Dave, have you seen anything? I watched the Bo Burnham uh, Inside Out Inside Outtakes. Have you guys watched that? Yes. I haven't watched the outtakes yet, no. What do you think? I think it's called Outtakes. I thought it was a weird name for it. Yeah. It's more just more like a companion piece 
like mm-hmm. almost like a an extra hour of inside. Mm-hmm. Is it additional content, or is some of it laser overlap? Yeah, well, I guess it was. It's like that classic sort of you know production companies release like the like a Jackass point five. It's the stuff that wasn't good enough to be in the main film, but it's still pretty good. And it, and it's presented as its own thing. Yeah, so it's it's in the same way. I mean, it's a lot of songs, uh, a lot of shorter songs. Joe Biden slaps. That's all I say. Oh, I, I thought the best song was Five Years. But yeah, Alex, I, you will enjoy it. You will enjoy it. Oh uh, yeah, I will watch it. it it's not five because I've seen I've seen Five Years the name around, but presumably it's not the David Bowie song of the same name. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, it's been the Jubilee, so I've not watched much. Play Jubes. Play Jubes. Why did everyone suddenly start calling it that? I don't know. I heard it everywhere. Yeah, I saw one thing online where it was like, "Oh, people are calling it the Play Jubes," and that was it. It, it stuck forever. The the best thing I saw related to the name play tubes was that someone said they should have renamed the new Elizabeth line the play tubes. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, and we also can't beat that, so we best move on. And there's also a Jubilee line already. But anyway, this week we are casting our votes for Pedro by discussing canned heat from Napoleon Dynamite. Gosh. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow, someone's looking forward to this one. <laughs> so to Gosh. find out what's happening in the world when the movie came out. Time for some history. And we're not going too far back, because we're only going back to June 2004. Now, I ignored all big stories. I'm fed up of big news nowadays. I'm only going small, quirky, weird. In Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, fake passports and work permits were being smuggled from Indonesia in packets of instant noodles. It wasn't just passports in these noodles, it was both passport and noodle. So I think that's pretty good. And apparently they could fit 14 passports in a pack. So they're pretty big packs. Because I I have four passports, not just myself, just old ones. And I tried to fit them in an old pack of instant noodles and I was running out of space. So I don't know if this is one of those things like chocolate bars have shrunk over time. I don't know if that's the same with noodles. Well, how are you stacking them? Were you stacking them on top of the other? I feel yeah, like you've got yeah. to like overlay them like concertina style. <laughs> right. and, and was it like a pot noodle? Uh, well, I thought, I, in my head, it was super noodles. Super noodles is what I was thinking. <laughs> Apparently, this was according to the police. If you examine the packets... You would think they were instant noodles. <laughs> <laughs> because they'd also left the sachets of seasoning as well. Now I think if you take out the sachet, you could squeeze in another passport, personally. You probably could, yeah. And I think that's where they messed up. It's like, if they're going to open it, they're going to see the passport, so why are you trying to dis- disguise it <laughs> with the seasoning? Maybe they thought the sniffer dogs would think... Oh, yeah, wait, yeah, wait, wait. Well, you got passport-sniffing dogs. Chicken and mushroom oh. powder. <laughs> oh, a Bombay bad boy. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that is funny. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know, this Malaysian bad boy. In other news, a blind man drove a golf cart for two miles through the winding streets of Petrie City, accompanied by his guide dog and an inebriated friend giving him directions <laughs> before running into a parked car. Two miles? It's like the film uh, Scent of a Woman. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, it is, isn't it? And did he have his dog? Did he have a dog in Scent of a Woman? There was no guide dog in Scent of a Woman, though, so actually, <laughs> this guy had more of an advantage. Do the line, Alex. Which one? What a crock of shit! I was thinking more just the... Oh, okay. Well, I went somewhere else. I'll take a flamethrower to this place. I feel like it might or it might be one of the greatest examples of everyone stands up in the uh, in the in the courtroom and slowly claps at the end. It's a strange film. <laughs> Finally, Peter Shelley, 24, punched a convenience store clerk and stole a packet of cigarettes after he refused to show the clerk his identification. But then he came back a week later, apologised, the clerk recognised him, rang the police and he got arrested. So what does that teach you guys? Never apologise. Never apologise, exactly. 
Poor guy. With his ID stuck in a pack of super noodles somewhere <laughs> in Malaysia. That's what made him angry in the first place. His car had just been run into by another by a blind guy and his dog, um, and he uh, he'd, have, he'd have to skip out on lunch. Anyway, in June in June two thousand and four, we also saw the release of Napoleon Dynamite. So. Napoleon Dynamite is a 2004 American comedy film written by Jared and Jerusha Hess and directed by Jared Hess. And the film stars John Hader as Napoleon Dynamite, a nerdy high school student who deals with several dilemmas. I mean, if you can call them dilemmas. Befriending an immigrant who wants to be a class president, awkwardly pursuing a romance with a fellow student and living with his, um, how would you describe them? Uh, odd family. <laughs> D, I'm very curious as to what you think about this film. So, if I take you back, 13-year-old me saw this at the cinema after convincing my then group of friends to see it. I profusely apologise for making them see it, as it's probably <laughs> one of the least funny movies I've ever seen in the cinema. Oof. Oof. It's probably second overall, like, in my lifetime since, because I was one of the fortunate souls that saw Movie 43 at the cinema. Oof. Oh, so, you, so you're saying films that intend to be funny, not just, like... Yes, like, yes, Like, yes. The Interpreter, a classic of ours. <laughs> yeah, comedies. Comedies. So that that's 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 bold, bold claim. Yeah, I, mean, I get that it's a, like Napoleon Diamond's supposed to be a kooky alternative film, and it, I mean, it really borrows from like the slow cinema genre. I love how you delayed on film, <laughs> but I, I just fail to see why anybody would enjoy this, which makes its popularity so perplexing. So when I gave it another go in preparation for this podcast, I was hopeful that it was maybe just thirteen-year-old me not getting it. But after Napoleon Dynamite started talking, I just felt like the first time again and I just regretted putting the whole thing on and knew I had to get to the end of it to make sure that Oof. when you start talking about the song, I know what we're talking about. So yeah, I, I laughed once, same as the first time, the which, bit with the, the failed jump on the ramp of the bike, which yeah. is like in the first three minutes. And then it was uh, it's a good bit. another 90 minutes of uh, wishing I was still at work. Ooh, ooh. Oh. Oof. Uh, Alex, is yours as jarring as that? Uh, probably not. I, I've only seen it for the first time in the last couple of days. <laughs> I'd never seen the film. Oh, really? Before. Really? That yeah. surprises me. Yeah, because it's one of those films that I think like everyone's always like was was when we were like teenagers. Yeah, it was always like, oh, you definitely need to go see this. It's really funny. It's etc. And there's just I certainly of, like, didn't say that. Yeah, we will certainly <laughs> clearly. I didn't ask you. But there's also just like loads of merch and stuff, wasn't there? like the t-shirts and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. yeah. things like bottle yeah. heads and whatnot. So yeah, it's surprising I've not seen it. But yeah, I mean it's 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 weird, isn't it? Quirky is not strong enough a word to describe how unusual this film is. Like it's yeah. the kind of thing that you watch and you just can't comprehend how it got from a script through production and was made because it's just so jarringly weird. <laughs> and I can't really think of any other film that it was like because I know there was a lot of sort of like indie teen films that kind of came around a similar time thinking mainly of stuff like Juno which you would describe as quirky but in a kind of legitimate kind of way <laughs> I feel like this, feels more like a real world well that but also it feels like a real film I feel like this I just can't <laughs> yeah. really understand what what it what it is but it's not to say that I didn't find it compelling and a confusing kind of I'm not sure what I'm supposed to feel about this film I'm not sure what the jokes are I'm not supposed to, what's supposed to be landing and what's not there's like a yeah. really weird your mum joke at the beginning, which I just like, I was like, I couldn't tell whether that was like, was trying to be a your mum joke or was just supposed to be something else. And the character, the brother character, Kip, I think his name is, is just mm-hmm. so <laughs> like offbeat that you can't ever get into the tempo of what's happening with him. 
So I kind of, I kind of sort of liked it, but just in a in a way that I didn't really understand. But I agree that it's not particularly funny, and I, I don't know why it's places like often though is like one of the best comedy films of all time, or it seems to be in the list it, for it those kind of things list, often. Yeah, yeah and I, that I don't really get because I don't think it's laugh out loud funny comedy. It's kind of really strange no. <laughs> comedy. <laughs> so it's weird that it's had such like a mass global success i guess but mm. i kind of got it because i i felt sort of like i was experiencing something i just wasn't sure what i was experiencing <laughs> just that you were experiencing something that wasn't a comedy <laughs> yeah i was experiencing something that kind of itched me like it made me feel itchy in a, in a confused way not in a oh this is awkward funny kind of way i just don't know what it was going for yeah it, it's weird that because i think having not seen this film since I was, what, 13, 14, I would have described it as, like, awkward humour, but it's not really awkward. No. <laughs> In the same way, like, things like, you know, described, like, in-betweeners and things like that, that kind of champions yeah. of sort of cringe, you know, peep show, that kind of awkward humour. It's not that. Yeah, unlike other movies and TV shows, which are popular, but I personally don't like, I can usually sort of figure out why it would be popular. Mm-hmm. Like, if I take... Your two favourites, Love Island. I can sort of see why people would like an amped up dating show with lots of hot people bearing nothing. But I, I just don't get it with this. I don't understand why people find it good and what, what is the appeal. It's, it, what's the comedy? I don't get it. I, I, I think in large part it is because there is nothing quite like it. I was trying to think of what I'd compare it most to like that level of humour. It reminds me of like Beavers and Butthead style humour. Yeah. You say kind of funny words and you just kind of laugh at them for a bit. There's not like It's not a setup necessarily. It's just one-liners off the back of other one-liners that are a bit disjointed and disconnected within a scene. And because the characters are awkward and you're like, what the hell's going on? There's this kind of shared sort of experience, like a, a camaraderie of a sense that I feel you you think about Napoleon. But I would watch more with the brother. I've, I find okay. the brother humorous, especially his relationship with the, uh, whatever the salesman blocks, you know, the, Uncle the, failed, yeah, the failed NFL player. I like that side of things. Um, I just don't find Napoleon that uh, funny. Apart from, I, I have to appreciate the one scene that we're going on to talk about. Uh, I'll definitely uh, have to give some defence to that. But before we do that, we'll go on to summarise. Because this film was a success. The budget was less than half a million. I think it was around three hundred and seventy-five to 400000 They more or less ran out of money by the end of it. And it made $46 million, which is pretty wow. good. I mean, it had a lot of backing in the production from MTV. Like, it was a big sort of MTV, and might have even been one of the latter sort of MTV films. I know Jackass has kind of been waving that flag for a while, but I think this is on the downturn of MTV. Um, I think we kind of saw that probably in our teens. MTV was uh, riding on its success of the 90s, really. This film did well. It was critically quite liked. I think because, again, people feel like it was a bit different. It was based on a short, Alex. So, like, it comes from a short by... I think it starred John Hager as well, uh, in, of that same character. Mm-hmm. I've not seen it. I, I think you can get it online if you are so inclined. D, you can enjoy your Saturday night. <laughs> I'll be watching anything else. <laughs> yeah. I think the name of it also sells it. Like, Napoleon Dynamite, I think, is a quite a cool name. The name comes from a song or a reference from an Elvis Costello song. From the album Blood and Chocolate, mm. controversially, I don't think those two things go together. 
but I'm happy to have an argument about that. Jared Hess said he was not aware of Costello's use of the name, and there's been a, I don't know if it's an open back and forth, but a disagreement of rights and who can, and the acknowledgement of where he found that. Um, he, Jared Hess, so the guy who directed it, he said he found that quite embarrassing because he's a hip hop head and he didn't want anything to be associated with Elvis Costello, which is a bit harsh. It's <laughs> very harsh. Very, very harsh. Is that, is that an Elvis Costello impression? I don't know what no, the block sounds no, like. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was something else. Um, I find it impossible to believe that he could have come up with that name if it already existed yeah, somewhere else. I, know. I think that's, that's basically Elvis Costello's argument. It's like, you yeah. cannot come up with this. Two people will never have the amalgamation of Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, other than, than Dynamite is similar in length and ending of the word to Bonaparte. Yeah. Or maybe it's blown apart, Napoleon blown apart, dynamite, I don't know. Maybe there is something there. Oh, that's pretty well, good. that's probably where Elvis Costello got it from. <laughs> but Hesk said that he, there was a man, a homeless guy, I think, when he was, I think he was a missionary at one point in, for the um, the Mormons. Uh, and there was a bloke called Napoleon Dynamite. So he stole it. So he's saying there's a legitimate person called that. that he, he said he into. met a person called Napoleon Well, Dynamite. I mean, <laughs> but that person, <laughs> makes it even less believable. That person may have been called it after the Elvis Costello song. <laughs> yes, well, that's true, actually. Yeah, That's the thing. So both can be right, yeah. but I think at the core of it, if this guy wasn't born Napoleon Dynamite and there's nothing pre-blood <laughs> and chocolate reference from Elvis Costello, then I think you have to give it to Elvis. Not the proper Elvis, obviously. <laughs> I don't think anyone would argue that that... that he is the second best Elvis. <laughs> Anyone going to take that one? Any listeners? No. Anyone? No? No? So we accepting of that? Baz Luhrmann might ruin that, but hey-ho. I hear that's good. What, the film? Well, Baz Luhrmann ruining things? <laughs> I hear that Elvis film is good because it, it was described to me as the first 15 minutes of Moulin Rouge, but for the whole movie. Um, well, I, I mean, that, that sounds very good. That sells it for me. Fair enough. I don't know, I, and this is a bit off topic, but I saw an interview with Baz Luhrmann where he's like, we need, we, we need to think of a modern artist that, you know, represented Elvis in the modern day. And so we thought, naturally, of Doja Cat. Now, there's not... <laughs> there's, you've missed a few steps there, Baz. You've missed a few steps. No no offence to Doja Cat, but, you know, there's, there's, there's the connection, I don't see it. I think, didn't Maneskin... Do they have a song in it? The guys from Euro- who won Eurovision last year? Because I'm sure they performed a song from this film. Maybe, maybe. We'll have to cover it at some point. Anyway, the song that we are wanting to discuss is Canned Heat by Jamiroquai. Now, I do think this is a very, very standout scene. I think it's a very famous movie scene. Probably the only famous one in the film. And I'm interested to see what you guys think of that. But before, because I've always got to reference this, because every we talk about Jamiroquai, we know, because we are huge acid jazz fans as we have clarified before on this podcast jamiroquai stands at the top of all the other acid jazz bands that we're aware of jamiroquai is the peak he's the pinnacle he is at the top of that cenotaph he's the only one he might well be to be honest (laughs) so the song canned heat comes from jamiroquai's fourth studio album i reiterate because i always forget myself jamiroquai is a band i always forget it's jk is the lead singer of Jamiroquai. Jamiroquai is not a person. You mean his name is not Jamiroquai Kamaroquai? <laughs> my, my nose is bleeding. <laughs> Alex, thoughts generally on how the British uh, acid jazz movement is going in 2022? Well, I think it has declined, doesn't it? A bit since 2004, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I live in Norfolk now, so, you know, it's a bit, it's not, not huge here. 
No. It's Acid Housier. Yeah. Early Nodders was definitely the the, the peak of the genre. The peak of the genre of Acid Jazz. Yeah, that's fine. I I think all our Acid Jazz listeners out there would agree with that. I previously recognised this song mostly from the game Top Spin 2, which may be (laughs) arguably in the top 20 tennis games of all time. (laughs) I think (laughs) it definitely, definitely could be argued. Could be argued. Yeah, I'll take the argument. I mean, obviously, Virtual Tennis 2 is number one. Wii Sports. Anyone that takes the argument has to name 20 <laughs> tennis games. Oh, I mean, Top Spin 1. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, slow down, Alex, slow down. This is the second time we're covering a Jamiroquai song. I mean, we that's shocking in itself. Briefly did it. <laughs> well, I'm curious. Cause we, so we covered a Jamiroquai song when we did Godzilla. Outside of James Bond, have we done any other artist twice? We've definitely done, I mean, this is a technicality, but we did do Simon and Garfunkel, Miss Robinson, and Art Garfunkel, What from Warship Down. So he he is featured twice. Okay. Okay. But again, it might be a technicality, but like the Judd Conlon chorus in all the Disney films. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't like that answer. I don't like that answer. Randy Newman. Is there, well, I'm going to make sure that I find more Jamiroquai songs in films because this guy deserves sure, to be Sure, can't be any. <laughs> there, oh, there will, Alex, and I'll find them. <laughs> As acid jazz, as an acid jazz podcast, we must keep him at the top. So this song did quite well. It reached number four in the charts. It was a huge hit across Europe. But I want to know, firstly, thoughts on this song as huge fans of Jamiroquai, Kamiroquai, whatever you call him. I mean, I'm not going to talk about the scene just yet, but it, it was surprising when this came on in that scene because <laughs> I didn't know that we were doing a Jamiroquai song. So when this came on, I was like, <laughs> this was not the song I was expecting. <laughs> And it was also like, I didn't recognise what the song was until it got to the chorus. And I was like, oh yeah, now I know. I know this Jamiroquai song. It's not Virtual Insanity, it's not Deeper Underground, but it's and it's not uh, Cosmic Girl, but it's the other one. <laughs> it's the whoa, whoa, you're forgetting his Go best on. song? Space Cowboy? Mm, know that. I'd have to listen to that, hear that one to know what it was. Same as this one, to be honest. Some people call me the Space Cowboy. <laughs> that's the one, yeah. yeah. yeah, that's the one. yeah. <laughs> Some people call me the, the gangster of acid funk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I enjoy this on the same level. I enjoy every Jamiroquai song, which is a moderate. <laughs> <laughs> Neither up or down um, on the actual song itself. It, it was very... Ironically, it, he moves very up and down in the video. Yeah, I mean, I will be talking about the video. The video is interesting. I mean, you can do. He definitely has always been someone who's tried to do something interesting with videos. But I feel like, other than possibly virtual insanity, because it's kind of an actual prop, the ones with all the kind of CGI updated very poorly, this being one of them. But one thing I did really think, though, when I was watching the videos, that they really nailed the aesthetic of the rooms of 2004. (laughs) (laughs) This all looks so bleak. But yeah, there was there's a weird bit where he's just like uh, grooving around the rooms, people are yep. fully having sex behind him. Typical acid um, jazz by. Yeah, it, actually, it kind of had like you know uh, prodigy vibes in the video. Mm. Yeah, yeah. D. I think the song's a classic. To be honest. Nice, nice. That's the one. Like when Jamaica get it right, they usually do get it right, and ends up being an all time dance track. It doesn't stop JK himself from being very unlikable. <laughs> I can never tell if he's unlikable. I watched a few interviews with him just kind of reading up about them today. Yeah, he's on the cusp of being a massive knob. <laughs> yeah, but I do want to confess, though, that I've been getting the lyrics wrong for this pretty much my entire life. I thought it, the line was, there's candy in my heels, like oh, sweets. Okay. But it wasn't until like, Ben, you, I messaged you to be like, what even is the song from Napoleon Dynamite? And you said canned heat. Still didn't twig. Still didn't twig. 
Yeah, uh, and then when I finally listened to the song, I had that sort of wave of, oh God, I'm such an idiot wash over me as I realised I've been singing it wrong for 20 odd years. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be fair normally, but the name of the song is Candy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought it was called Just Dance. Dance. Oh yeah, makes sense, yeah. Nothing there for me to do, can't eat. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is a low-key club banger. (laughs) The bass player is absolutely slapping. He is absolutely slapping. If you go on YouTube, and this is anyone listening, watch their live performance from, uh, I think it's in Verona. It's one of the first clicks that you can go on if you type in can't eat. He is single-handedly keeping Funk alive with that baseline. <laughs> he is he is going mental. While yeah, uh, JK is just running around. He does a slide onto the stage because it's been raining, and he slides in trainers for about thirty feet, and he just manages to stop at the ed- edge of the stage. If that wasn't pre-done, that is incredible. Maybe the floor was just moving, and he was staying still. Could have been. Could have been. You know what? I, I can't. I can't trust anything nowadays. Yeah, I think it's incredible. The scene in which this comes up is quite iconic. So, for those unaware, Napoleon, in trying to support his friend Pedro, uh, before the sort of um, before assembly, is it just before the assembly? No, no, they have to do a speech each, yeah. and then there's like they have to perform a skit or something. That's it. Tell and you. he hasn't prepared the skit. Yes. Yeah. And, and so yeah. to save the day, Napoleon has has been practicing uh, repeatedly. He comes on. Passes the cassette with Candy Heat by Jamiroquai on there. And we just have more or less the full song played out, camera still, watching <laughs> watching Napoleon just bust a move. What do you guys think of this? It's all about the hips, really. Oh, God, this guy can move. He may not be particularly funny, but you've got to hand it to the man. Like The way he moves his hips from side to side is it's almost hypnotic. <laughs> it, it's, it's just so fluid, and I am jealous I only wish I was able to move my body that well. If I was in his position, I'd have to opt for like a really awkward, like sort of leaning into the awkwardness robot dance, that, that's, which yeah. just wouldn't, wouldn't fit quite as well with Jamiroquai. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I, I, no matter how relaxed he is, I try and do this. It's obvious I'm trying. It's that level yeah. of being so skilled with doing, when he has his hands in his pockets and he does that like kind of like dive forward onto his tiptoes, like kind of like a half split. It's beautiful. I mean, there's there's no way that this is choreographed. Is that it cannot be choreographed because it is just so loose <laughs> in in the best way. It's very improv. It's not to the beat either. Like after no, the first few sort of like bits, it's so obvious it wasn't filmed on a budget of what under half a million. We'll just get any song we hope we can. Yeah. Well, I was wondering whether he didn't perform it to this song and they just they put it in the in the dub. I don't know. I've got some facts on that. Oh, well, I hadn't seen this film, but I knew that this, I think I'd seen this scene before. So I knew what was coming in terms of the visual. I didn't remember the song was Candy by Jamaica, which was (laughs) a nice surprise. Regardless of what you think of the film, I would have to say that this is kind of an iconic film scene because I think so many people would recognize it and they would instantly know what film it was from it. And I think it is kind of a feel good moment. I don't really know why. Because the plot of this film isn't... Well, it's not there, is it? There isn't any. No. So I don't really know what what I'm supposed to take from it other than he just see, you know, he's just seizing the moment and doing a dance. And yeah. There's not really... I, don't, I didn't feel much. I mean, obviously the audience reacts positively to it, but I didn't feel much in the scene because I was confused as to what was happening. Um, and, and as well, because this is right at the end of the film, more or less, isn't it? Yes. Yep. And I do think it's kind of mimicking, obviously, like classic high school films and like this big end moment, and it's kind of making a sort of a joke of it, I guess. Yeah. Um, I knew it was coming, and yet I felt nothing in it. So it was kind of like, I get why it's 
why it's been referenced on other things or why it's stuck around in the, the movie-going consciousness, if you will. Yeah, I think partly because Napoleon himself can be a very pastiched individual in which you can dress up as, and so it almost feels comic that he is doing it. I think the scene itself wouldn't be anything without that character. Whether you like him or not, you can. it's easy to dress up as, it's easy to pretend to be. He's like a Batman sort of character. It's just, you stick some glasses and a wig on and do that oh, sort of voice. You've got Napoleon. <laughs> Yeah, and I think just building off what Alex was saying as well, you don't really know how to feel about the scene until the audience reacts. Yeah. If the audience had reacted negatively, the scene isn't changed, the performance isn't changed, it's not really played for laughs, it's not really played for like cringe humour, it, it just sort of is a dance scene and it could go either way, even for the audience. Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd say that. At some point it looks like they're really not enjoying it anyway. Yeah. Well, at least two of them. I think what's confusing is, like, regardless of the audience, as a viewer at home, I don't know what I'm supposed to think about it. I don't, because exactly. there's been no yeah. lead up to, obviously, you've seen them practicing the dance at points throughout the film, but there's no. It's not like the music's swelling, is it? Yeah, other than, like, you can see that the, if it goes well, it will help Pedro's uh, cause in becoming the class president. There's no, it's not like a, like a feel good moment in a lot of ways. There's been no lead up to this being important at <laughs> any point. Yeah. I think that's it. But that kind of adds to the just the general weirdness of the full film, really, doesn't it? And then the end as well, like with the whole odd tetherball scene at the very end of the film. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you saying that because Hader, who played Napoleon, said this scene was going to make or break the film. So they wrote the scene because John Hader, they knew he liked to dance or dabble in dance, as he says. So they wrote the scene because he wanted to do this, but they felt like it was going to be the climax. If this falls flat, then the film falls flat. Obviously, it became quite an iconic scene and I think helped the film carry into the public eye. But basically, they had no money left by the end scene. I think they shot it over like a month, so it was a pretty short shoot. They had equivalent of, I think it was one roll of film left, so about ten and a half minutes of footage to film the dancing. So they did just ten minutes of dancing, spliced it together, and that's what you get. So like the close-ups, everything like that, it's just all... Like, I guess 10 minutes worth of dancing just cut up, which I don't know. For me, that's a lot of pressure for what is quite a silly scene. Yeah, pressure because you can't dance. No, I really can't. Although I did win a dance competition when I was seven, maybe. Nice. At a uh, holiday park in Cornwall. But my mum would like to point out that it was based on a clapometer and there was a lot of my family. <laughs> <laughs> clapometer. Yeah, yeah. All I remember doing was looking down at the ground and doing a lot of crisscrosses. <laughs> God, where am I now? Okay, so the dance was spontaneous, Alex, mm. just like you said. There was no choreography. He said there was a little bit. And God, I always said, I said to myself, try and say this person's name without laughing, Ben. So I apologise, this person. So there's some, cho <laughs> some choreography by Tina. <laughs> I can't say it. Why? This is so funny. Uh, by... <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, this is never going to live up to, to the expectations. Yeah, this is not landing. It's not really. It's not Tina Majorina. I, don't, I, couldn't, say, I couldn't say her name. <laughs> Tina Majorina. Tina Majorina. Oh, it's not a real name. Oh. So anyway, Tina did a bit of choreography. Mm -hmm. um, apparently some of the moves were from uh, Saturday Night Fever. Michael Jackson moves and Soul Train, which we didn't really get over in the UK. Generally, they would just let John figure it out, and he had to just wing it. So for that, you've got ten and a half minutes of footage, and you just have to wing it. That's a lot of pressure. 
however stupid you think it is. You know, at the end of the day, you're still working with half a million budget. You know, you you got all these people kind of waiting on you. I think this film technically has one of the longest credit scenes of all time because they credited every single extra in writing. There's also like a really long post-credit sequence that I did not realise was there. Obviously, because I was running out the cinema apologising. Oh, no, I didn't <laughs> realise it was a post-credit scene. No, no, did I? Oh, well, surprise. Oh. <laughs> it's like a wedding scene and then... Oh, well, I did see that somewhere. That that that, that was... I was. I don't remember. I must have missed that in the film. I wasn't like paying 100% attention to it. So I was like, I must have missed that. But clearly that was why. I mean, just when you touched on the opening credits, Ben, the opening credits are actually probably the be- one of the best parts about this film. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> Yeah, quite that's clever. true. Yeah, the opening good. credits were really, really good, I feel. That's probably where most of the budget went. <laughs> well, I mean, don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but just piece of air for paper. There were some expensive condiments. They were saying, because when you're shooting an independent film, you have no idea what you're going to get the rights to. Because likelihood is, like, I think this was shown at Sundance you then get picked up by distribution companies there so you don't know what kind of budget's going to be going behind the film in, in attempts to kind of get it into theatres or is it going to go straight to DVD or just straight to TV? You have no idea. So they had in mind three songs. One of them was Canned Heat but they thought Jamiroquai was going to be expensive. So they also planned for another Jamiroquai song called Little L a non, you know, just an album track. They also danced generally in mind Hader said that he danced in mind to a Michael Jackson song from Off the Wall that he can't really remember what it is now I mean if you think Jamiroquai is going to be expensive bloody hell yeah. <laughs> trying to get a Michael Jackson song for an independent film bloody hell so it was a choice between those three and they were surprised that they were able to get the rights to Canty they think that was half of their distribution budget just for Jamiroquai so uh, I mean he took all that £20 um, and you know <laughs> went on tour I mean, I have no idea how much money goes to those kind of like that music industry and for sort of distribution and rights. And I don't know who, how much of a budget usually goes to that. I imagine it's a drop in an ocean for the type of like blockbusters you get nowadays. But I really don't know for like independent films. You mentioned Juno earlier. Like Juno's soundtrack is obviously is quite iconic now. I forget the name of that band. The uh, sort mm, of acoustic. I know. Is it some? Is it Cat something? You know, what I'm referencing. Do you know what I mean? Cat Power. Maybe. Oh yeah, yes it is. Yeah, but you have no idea. You have no idea what you're going to get. Whereas, yeah, I imagine most big budget blockbusters can get anything, even Michael Jackson. Uh, although I don't know if his stocks dropped. <laughs> nice way of putting it. Nice way of putting it. Yeah, and that's the most diplomatic way I will finish with. Okay, so yeah, once again, I'm picking up the top five. So top five. Top five time. Ooh. I think it's fair to say. That Napoleon Dynamite is a polarizing movie. Yes. But I wanted to know, in true Ben style, (laughs) is what is the most polarizing movie of the 21st century? So I googled a lot of lists, and I mean a lot. I'm nodding. Put them together on an Excel spreadsheet. I'm nodding. Rank them, and now I've got a top five. Based on that, I hope I've done you proud, Ben. Oh, I'm nodding so much. So the most polarizing films of the 21st century... Do we know how we're defining polarizing? Is this kind of subjective or? Well, yeah, that's okay. that's part of the reason okay. why I picked it after last week's hard facts. So there was no definition within the articles, like to say, like, oh, it had good critical reception but poor commercial. Or... Yeah, well, it was a mixture of both: so divisive, polarizing in terms of like the critics to the audience, or just like it could be a Marmite film, so, you know, something like Avatar. That. Not in the top five, Ooh. but in the top Ooh, ten. Not a bad shout. Oh, it was. Oh, okay. I still, I still bloody love that film. Mm. <laughs> Polarized. Crash. 
No. Or, or was that just like 100% disliked? It is, yeah, it, it, it did not go up on any list. <laughs> yeah. Um, are we talking God, like, I guess, um, I guess these are kind of, will these be quite like big budget films? We're not talking like indie films or is there a mixture? Um, I would say that most of them are smaller films except one. Oh, okay. Hmm. I'm trying to think of like sort of darling, like indie darling films. How about um, potentially a film we've been talking about for the Napoleon past Dynamite? Film? Napoleon oh, Dynamite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Napoleon Dam- Dynamite. Number one on the list. Number one. Number one. It's number one. Wow. Number one. Uh, Twilight. Do those films count? Because they did so well, blo- like money wise. Not not on any list I saw. Nah. Well, they are they are sort of flying poops, sparkly poops, maybe. Green Book. Uh, nope. I'm just thinking of Oscar winning films. Uh, La La Land. I saw better it mentioned, but it's not in the top five. That's it, better not all be. The, all the top 20, which I've got in front of me. <laughs> yeah, you like that film, Ben. But... give you a clue. The big blockbuster one is the middle part of a trilogy. Star Wars. Yeah. The Last Jedi. Yeah, fifth place, Last Jedi. That makes sense. Because me and you, D, have had, had many conversations about this when it came out. I like it. Yeah, uh, I especially like it compared to the other steaming pile of crap that is episode nine. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely better than that. I mean, there's no arguments here. That was, that was fifth, so you've got second, third, and fourth to get. Garden State. No, not on the list. God, God damn it, I hate that One film. of them I'd never even heard of, but it was on, like, every single list. Damn, uh, it's a Brad Pitt film. Um, Babel? Nope. That one with the tanks? Oh, Fury? <laughs> not Fury, no. Burn After Reading? Whoa, whoa, Burn After Reading's a great film. Yeah, but I'm just saying Brad Pitt films now. A, a, film, a film that you've not seen that has Brad Pitt. Yeah. I'd never even heard of the never film. Never even heard of it, and it's got Brad yep. Pitt in it. Troy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Troy. <laughs> it's a classic. Um, uh, give me the first letter. T. Troy. <laughs> Troy. <laughs> Troy. <laughs> Troy two. I don't think. Time. I don't think I'm gonna heard of this film. Okay, check, well, check, I'll, check, I'll try a different check, one. Check, check. Yeah, go on, go on. Keep going. Third place. Yeah. It's a horror movie that was very divisive when it came out. It follows. No. Um. Get out. No, no. I think that's universally well, praised. Well, I thought so, it? but I didn't know whether people, some people were against it. Uh, the Babadook. No, it's got an exclamation point. Stars. House of Wax. Jennifer Lawrence. That's Jennifer Lawrence in a horror film. Oh, at Last House on the Left. No. Nope. <laughs> my wife loves that film. I don't know. Just I was shocked by Jennifer Lawrence in a horror film. Jennifer Lawrence in a horror film. Okay, well, it, it's not about a father. Oh, the mo- mother. Yes. Oh, right, yeah, to be fair, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, 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 that was an odd film, to be yeah. fair. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was a weird film. I like that film. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, Brad Pitt with a T. Keep stewing over that one. Fourth place. I get Troy out of my head. I think this one it did appear on a lot, but it's more based on the fact that it was advertised poorly. It was advertised as if it was like a Fast and Furious film, but Need it's really much more of a sort of, <laughs> no, um, a, a very brooding, <laughs> slow film. Very brooding, and it was advertised as being Fast and the Furious, but it was brooding and slow. Yeah. God. Um... So, like, it's about driving cars. I might have just said the name of the film. Is it Cars? Cars. Cars 2. Oh my god, no. <laughs> the first syllable. Drive? Yeah, Drive. The film Drive. Is that put? Oh, uh, yeah, is that really? I suppose it's put? fairly divisive. That surprises me. Yeah. I thought that was universally loved. Have you ever watched the original trailer for Drive? It's like an all action packed driving movie right well yeah very much is not that oh no that's yeah. a, that's a soundtrack we've got to do because that is a banging soundtrack we can do that one twice oh yeah because didn't like the bbc do like a version or something yes radio one did a remix radio version radio. of the entire film yeah right i'm gonna have to google this uh brad pitt film because i don't even know what it's about troy's <laughs> troy's <laughs> that's the scene okay so brad pitt sean penn jessica chastain um directed by oh, 20, Terrence... 21 grams 
No. Damn. Terrence Malick directs it. Terrence Malick? Oh, Tree of Life. Tree of Life, yeah, yes. Yeah, that's quite divisive. Yeah. That was the film that appeared on most lists. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Other ones in this top 20. Let's see if you think about any of these ones. I'll quickly Go run on. through a couple of them. The Room. The Lighthouse. The, wait, The Room? As in the... the, the, <laughs> the Tony Wiseau. Is it Tony Wiseau? Tommy Wiseau, that's it. Tommy Wiseau, yeah. Hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. Um, Kill Bill. Well, I mean, that's just one. wrong, because that should just wrong. be good. Everyone loves Kill Bill. I appeared on multiple lists for some reason. I love Kill Bill. I, but that could, that could be because people are confusing it with Kill Bill too. <laughs> Maybe. Then there is Interstellar. Yeah, that's fair, because I didn't really like that. And finally, the one that's going to break your hearts, Spring Breakers. <laughs> I mean, you say that back right now. <laughs> ne- you know what? You know, Just because Next you've week. said that... Yeah, you know what? If you hate the film Spring Breakers, listeners, you have to blame Dietrich for mentioning it now. Because re- next week we're doing Every Time by Britney Spears. <laughs> Please. I'm looking forward to, to finding that somewhere and rewatching. Are we actually doing Spring Breakers next week? I've got Spring Breakers on Blu-ray. <laughs> Blu-ray. Lock it in. So now it's time to decide oh, it's movie or song for the first time in forever. Yeah. Oh, so, for uh, the first Alex. time in forever. Beautiful. Um, Answer the question. I actually think <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think you guys will agree with this, but I actually am going to choose film. <laughs> so nice because I kind of I take all of your points, Steve. But I there was something weirdly compelling about it. It's, it's like it's like a, a David Lynch film in that no one can fully comprehend what's going on, but sort of in a weird way it compels you. And and this film kind of did. Well, I'm definitely going so just because it's not the movie. I need Jamiroquai in my life. But you got deeper underground. <laughs> uh, I, I could do without Napoleon Dynamite. I've done without it for like twenty years of my life, so yeah, I True. could do it again. Yeah, yeah. I like that you couldn't possibly go another day with without Candy. <laughs> but you're very cool. I've been listening to it on repeat during the background of this podcast. Okay, so that brings an end to another episode of that song from that movie. Let us know which one you think's better, the movie or the song, on Twitter. Ben, what is our Twitter handle? At TSFTMPod. Correct. So, you can help the podcast in many ways. One of those ways is by sharing this on Reddit. But, Alex, what random subreddit should they pick this week? What was her name, Ben? Tina, what was it? <laughs> Tina Majorina. Tina Majorina. If she's, got a, if she's got a subreddit, then there. So, you can help the podcast by telling all your friends, leaving a review, signing up to our Patreon, buying our merch. All the links are in the show notes. It's also now to do some goodbyes. So, it's goodbye from myself, goodbye, and goodbye from Alex. I caught you a delicious bass. You see what I said at the beginning about there being no funny quotes in this film? <laughs> I thought that was quite funny when it, when it happened at the very last line of the film. And goodbye from Ben. I forgot Sean Bean was in Troy. <laughs> so goodbye, everybody. Bye. Gosh. Yeah. Damn, I never learn from my mistakes.